0: He who is caught in the throes of desire is an ass and spends his life competing for the grass. The Masnavi, Book Two. So many incredibly profound things can be said in such a small amount of words. Uh, we are all out there competing for the grass. And we all have different reasons why the grass is so important. That which keeps us in that competition is what keeps us from being pure. And to be done with desire one must become pure. In a state of purity there is no need for that which is impure. Illusion maya, the illusory nature of things, is not pure. The qualities that are Allah are pure. And the two don't exist Simultaneously. Bawa used to say, When I am here, God is not. And when God is here, I am not. When anger is here, love is not. When jealousy is here, love is not. When resentment is here, love is not. They are mutually Exclusive. And we have to become profoundly aware of the fact that they are mutually exclusive. And we have to become profoundly in touch with the fact that we can't have our anger and our love too. We can't have our resentment. And love, too. So if we have an affinity for anger, if it makes us happy, or at least we think it makes us happy, if we have an anger for resentment and it gives us some kind of pleasure, we have to begin to understand that we are blocking the path towards love that we are actively keeping love from ourselves and to correct this situation we have to give up our anger and we have to give up our resentment and that takes an understanding that when you point one finger at somebody else you're pointing three fingers at yourself and until that's understood and that's gotten hold of we do we will not and cannot understand the dynamic of how love exists where it exists and where it can not exist. You can't go fishing on dry land. To go fishing, you have to go into bodies of water. That's where fish live. You can't find love in the midst of anger. You can't find love in the midst of remorse. You can't find love In the midst of need. When we are in need, that need overwhelms our being. And when we're not in need, we almost forget about it. For instance, when you're thirsty, you understand thirst. After you've had a glass of water, You don't understand thirst anymore. It's a concept now. It's not a real thing. It's gone. So only the thirsty understand thirst. Only the hungry understand hunger. Only the lovers understand love. And to stay in that state of love you have to constantly, constantly be aware of what feeds it. <clears throat> Fire needs to be fed where it goes out. It constantly needs fuel. Love also needs fuel, but The fuel that inflames true love doesn't come from this world. It comes from haq. It comes from reality. It comes from understanding the nature of Allah's creation and the fact that it was created out of His compassion and His love. So... In order for us to truly be involved in divine love, we have to be involved in divine compassion. And we have to understand the nature of that compassion. And in that, we have to understand that as compassionate as we can become, we are only touching a minute glimpse of the compassion that is actually created and given off and is within Allah. So, we have to take charge of our own existence. And as we take charge of our own existence, we have to come to certain determinations. If we are in a state that is sad why are we a state why are we in a state that is sad and if you follow it back long enough you'll find that this sadness is about is caused by a certain kind of desire that either has not been fulfilled or you are afraid will be fulfilled or it's something that you have that you fear you will lose. So desire is very, very, very tied up in our being unable to love. Now the world has defined love as obtaining desire. I've got it. Wow, I really love that. But that which is created by desire is illusory. That which comes about because of desire is illusory. Physical love, lust, passes. And if that is the extent of your love, then your love is fleeting, momentary, and not solid, not uh, long-term, not without conditions. We have to enter into a love that's not fleeting, that's not based on need, that's based on reality. Again, not a need-based love, but a reality-based love. Well, to be involved in a reality-based love, that means we must have a concept of reality. We must have a concept of what it's like outside of the realm of illusion, outside of the realm of maya, outside of the realm of that which is fleeting and passing. We must have a love that's based in the real to do that, we have to have an understanding of the real. And we have to have an internal ability to travel to the real. So, in the same way that we get a, in, in a car and travel from point A to point B, we have to be able to go inside of ourselves and travel from illusion to reality, from illusory love to real love, this trip is as is more real than any trip we take in the world. This traveling is the only real traveling that we do. We travel towards reality. Why? because we've removed ourselves so far from it now the the traveling towards reality does not take a switch in place but it can involve a switch in place for instance pilgrimage takes you towards love pilgrimage takes you towards reality pilgrimage takes you towards an understanding of the fact that all will disappear and all that's left is that reality when pilgrimage is started it is started with a phrase in English, that goes something like this. I am here, Lord. I am here to do your bidding. I am here, Lord. I am here to obey your call. Now, within those words is an understanding that I'm not obeying the call of illusion. I'm not obeying the call of the world. I've turned. I've turned towards Allah. I've turned towards God, and I've turned away from the world. Most of the world will never understand, most of the people in the world, will never understand that that turning is required in order to, to face reality, in order to face the East. In the prayer, there's a symbolic turning. In whatever way you're facing, you face to turn the East. Again, it's a turning from the world towards the house of God, which represents Him, his house, this constant turning has to go on in our existence because we are constantly turning away. When we finish the prayer, we get up and we walk away. We don't walk the, the exit in a mosque is not towards the Qibla. It's the opposite. Which means you're turning from the east to go back where you came, to go out. And that turning towards the east is going to come again later. So we are in a constant flux of turning and returning, turning and returning. What happens is we sometimes have a tendency to get caught in a turn and that turn can consume us because of something about it that is somehow so strongly attached to our inner desires and deep-seated needs. The way we get rid of those deep-seated needs and inner desires is to constantly return. If we don't constantly return, returning becomes more and more difficult until it gets to the point where it's not even a thought of possibility. The way has been established and the rut has been cut so deep that it's the only way you can go so we need to be flexible we need to be able to turn in every direction and we need not to hold on to any one of them with a lot of passion except the one that leads to Allah because every other turn Every other direction just leads us further and further from the right path. So if we're going to stay on the straight path, we have to have the intention to constantly turn to the straight path. If we were so strong that our focus was constantly towards Allah we wouldn't have to have these conversations. If our focus and certitude were so strong that we never wavered, we wouldn't have to have these conversations. But it is a constant that Satan is whispering at us with a simple message turn 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 we're facing east he says turn turn and then there's all the reasons why that come after that but essentially he's constantly telling us to turn and then he shows us all the glitters and the hypnotisms and the magnetisms and the pulls as to why we should turn. All the benefits of turning. Now, what's interesting is that the Mevlevi Tarikat, the Tarikat, the sect of Rumi, does... ...a constant turning. They whirl. But in that whirling... ...one spot remains constant... ...and that's the heart. The whirling goes on around the heart. So even though there's a constant turning... ...there's a constant C... ...in the center of the turning. But the kind of turning that happens in the world doesn't have that constancy. That kind of turning has an aspect that is constantly changing, that is constantly moving, that is ineffable. Talk to people who are involved in business and who've been successful, and they will tell you that... It's not the success that keeps them excited. It's the chase. It's the constant moving towards getting something that they haven't yet achieved. So it's this lack of fulfilling desire that drives you. And what they're saying when they say that is that when they finally get there, there's nothing there. So they have to go on and chase something else. And then they begin to believe that life is in the chase. Life is in trying to accomplish these things. But the truth is, life is in getting closer to your Lord. The truth awakens itself in coming closer to your Lord. And how? Do you constantly return to the right place by having an intention that says, I want to return, and by having effort that says, I will try to return. And that constant effort and that constant intention will uproot the lies deep hidden within us that keep Attempting to turn us. So it's in the act of facing in the right way that we will stop facing in the wrong way. It's in the act of our well intentioned prayers that our time without prayer will become shorter and shorter. The act that is appropriate is the act that leads to the burgeoning of wisdom within us. The act that is appropriate is what enacts the kinetic wisdom within us. It's there already. It needs to be uncovered, and it's uncovered by doing the right thing. Doing the right thing on a regular basis through effort will lead to doing the right thing through wisdom, through, in, through an innate knowledge of the right thing, through, an in, through a connection to Allah that leads to doing the right thing. We, until we get to that place, struggle. We, until we get to that place, have to constantly be reminded. And that's why Surat Lasser says that those who don't spend their time with others in conversation about their Lord and in conversation about the truth are lost it's that constant refocus that brings us to the truth. And if we lose that focus, it's a hard one to refine. So we need to do things within our daily existence to refocus us. We have to be involved in some kind of practice that will take us towards the truth and reinvigorate our effort, and our intention on a regular basis. Now, one of the things that does it for me—this isn't for everybody— is if I read certain kinds of poetry by certain wise people, it just enlivens me and brings a joy and constancy to my being and a belief to my system that's overwhelming. Well, we all need to find something that does that for us. We have to be enthusiastic about the truth. We have to be happy about the fact that we are endeavoring to find the truth. We have to be in a state of joy that we're going to enter this and we are setting our intention. For this truth. If that joy doesn't exist, it's going to be hard to go in that direction. There has to be a reason for doing it. There has to be a reason for returning to where we came from and where we're supposed to be. Allah created us to know Him. And the treasure of knowing Him is beyond our imagination. But as long as we are caught in our imagination, and we think that our imagination is the fullness of what we can know, then we're stuck with that. So we have to somehow go to an open space and understand that Allah has not revealed everything to us yet. If he had, we wouldn't be standing here. So he feeds us with a spoon. One spoon at a time. And he feeds us slowly. And we have to be like the little birds in the nest with our mouths up high, chirping, waiting for the next spoonful, excited, knowing that our parent is waiting to feed us. We need to be very excited. We need to understand what it is that's being offered to us all the time. And what's being offered to us all the time is the understanding of reality and the treasures that lie in reality. When somebody does a kindness for you, Imagine the overwhelming feeling that you feel while it's being done. Now, imagine living in the midst of that kindness. Imagine being part of that kindness. Imagine being that kindness. When that occurs, the switch is made. And even though we bounce back, the memory of those moments will bring us back again and again and again. The mind doesn't know the difference between the past and the future. The mind just knows that something happened. Now what happens is, the mind can think about what had happened in that moment of kindness. It can't be there. But... It can start the process of your effort. And when it happens again, then you've escaped the mind. And you've ended into that moment of kindness. You've entered into that moment of kindness. You've entered into that state of compassion and mercy. And when we're in that state, the world doesn't matter anymore because we understand the temporary nature of this path and that it's an ongoing path that is beyond our vision and beyond our ability to comprehend while we're in this state. So may the next world become more real for us. May the next world be something that we can touch and that we can contemplate and that we can find joy in. May we become closer to our Lord. May he bring us closer and closer to him. May he make us more and more like him. And may mercy and compassion be our state. Amin amin ya Al-Amin. alamin assalamu alaykum wa rahmatullah wa barakatuh <laughs>